We are only nine days away from the greatest rivalry in sports history, the game, kicking off at noon Eastern Standard Time on Fox in one of the most historic venues in all of college football, the Big House in Ann Arbor, Michigan. On even-numbered years, another historic and epic venue, the Horseshoe, Ohio Stadium in Columbus, Ohio, hosts this matchup. And last season, in spite of being about a touchdown underdog, Michigan went into the Horseshoe, and after playing a close set of three quarters, dominated the Ohio State Buckeyes in the fourth quarter, winning the game 45 to 23. And in the prior season, in Ann Arbor, Michigan, where Ohio State had not lost the game since 2011, the Michigan Wolverines avenged a season of failure, stretching back to the end of the Lloyd Carr era, winning 42-27. to Behind Aiden Hutchinson and David Ajabo's epic pass rush and a run game that exploded on that day, much like the run game, along with J.J. McCarthy's passing attack, that took advantage of Ohio State's aggressive defense last season. But not every game is the same compared to previous seasons. And in the same way that Ohio State's streak was broken, Michigan's streak of two wins could also be broken this season. And I'm here to tell you as a Michigan fan, this game is going to be a battle as a college football fan and as someone who tries to be objective in spite of the fact that he attends Michigan University. I'm here to say that this could be and very likely will be the game of the year. And even if it's one-sided at some point, I think that this will be the highest quality matchup we see all season, at least before the college football playoff. And even then, the game might triumph all games this season in terms of future NFL players, in terms of coaches, assistants, and head coaches. Jim Harbaugh won't be on the sidelines, but I will guarantee his game plan will be in action here. This game is for all the marbles, with both teams beating Penn State and only having two more games, including the matchup against each other on November 25th, left. Their matchup will determine the Big Ten East. Like this video if you think that this game will be the best game of the season and it will be the highest quality matchup of the season. And subscribe to the channel, click the notification bell, and comment your thoughts on this game down below if you think the winner of the game will win the national championship. Because I think that the winner of this game has a great shot and should be the favorite to win it all. Georgia has looked impressive. Alabama is bouncing back rather nicely. This is one of Saban's better coaching jobs. Oregon, I think, is the second best team in the country. I've been very transparent with the fact that I thought Michigan was going to win it all in the preseason. Most weeks, they have looked like the best team in the country. And whether it was Georgia crushing Kentucky or Georgia crushing Ole Miss, and they've had some of their own epic performances, Michigan has been consistent week after week after week, just like Oregon. Except Oregon has an L, and Michigan doesn't. And Michigan's defensive play is unmatched, and their offense is about as efficient 
as it gets. They're still number one in my poll. Ohio State is third. But being a top three team is nothing to complain about. They have a defense that is unlike anything Ohio State has seen so far in the Ryan Day era, excluding the 2019 defense commanded by Jeff Halfley that had Chase Young and Jeff Okuda and other players. I think Cody Simon was a younger player on that team, along with Josh Proctor, because Josh Proctor was an Urban Meyer recruit, and I think Cody Simon originally, yeah, Cody Simon was an Urban Meyer recruit. I do believe so. Correct me if I'm wrong in the comments section below. Both the Wolverines and the Buckeyes have an elite defense. I would take Ohio State's secondary for now, although Michigan's secondary has looked extremely impressive in recent weeks. Wouldn't shock me due to some unfortunate injuries with Ohio State's secondary, and because of Michigan's progression if they surpass Ohio State in pass defense. I'd take Michigan's pass rush. I'd take Michigan's run defense. I'd take Michigan's offense. I'm not going to hide behind this screen and tell you that these two teams have looked totally even heading into this game. But I will also say that over the past two seasons, Ohio State has looked like the better overall team, and Michigan destroyed them. So maybe the narrative flips this season. Maybe Michigan's the team that's power rated higher, that has the more experience, that has, dare I say it, more talent, that has more NFL players, and yet maybe Ohio State comes out with a win because they might have a matchup advantage. Their defense is not going to allow big plays. Their offense, meanwhile, can still produce big plays with Marvin Harrison Jr., Kyle McCord, with Cade Stover, with the epic, speedy Travion Henderson. There's a lot at stake in this game, and there are a lot of elite players. So if you haven't already figured out by now, that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about Michigan, we're talking about Ohio State, and we're talking about what these two teams can do beyond the game. Because the winner of the game will very likely destroy probably Iowa in the Big Ten Championship game, notch a 30, dare I say it, 40-point win, and then move on to the college football playoff. And it will yet again be a test if the Big Ten can challenge the SEC, the Pac-12, the Big 12, the ACC, Whoever makes it. At this point, no conference is totally safe. There are, whether it's the Big Ten or the SEC, who probably have the best guarantees to get in, even if there is some kind of chaos, it could all fall apart. The 2023 season, I don't think, has been as chaotic, actually, as the previous two seasons in terms of raw upsets. And I don't have any numbers to back that up, that's just off the top of my head. But what I will say is this has been one of the most balanced seasons in terms of competition, in terms of everything is resting off of a tiny thread, a balancing act, and it could all come crumbling down. And watching Michigan and watching Ohio State, these are the two, some of the most consistent teams in college football. I will say they're more consistent than Oregon, even though I have Oregon ranked ahead of Ohio State. That's because I like Oregon's upside, and I love their trench play offensively, and dare I say it defensively, more than the Buckeyes. But Oregon has a loss, and Ohio State's well-coached. 
Ohio State has greater depth. They have better defense. Defense wins championships, and offense is just as important. But I'd be very curious to see how Oregon, who occasionally goes through their own hiccups and who has lost a game, would do against an undefeated Ohio State or an undefeated Michigan. These are consistent football teams, football programs. And Jim Harbaugh accepted the Big Ten suspension earlier today, as I already discussed in a video that I released a few hours ago. In fact, probably just one or two hours ago. I personally don't think that that will have much of an effect on the Michigan Wolverines. I don't. I think that any potential effects that it has on Michigan's game management or confidence in the staff, it will be balanced out perhaps by a greater galvanization of the Michigan locker room. The game's going to be awesome. That's all I'm trying to say, and that's going to be a point that I will reiterate throughout this video, because if you aren't a Michigan or Ohio State fan, you may not fully gather the aura surrounding the game, and I want to pound the epicness of this matchup into your skull. So let's talk about the matchup, just very briefly. Ohio State and Michigan should be 11-0, both, entering this matchup. Ohio State's currently number two in ESPN's FPI, and Michigan is number one in ESPN's FPI. The Wolverines passed the Ohio State Buckeyes just after week 11, and for much of the season, Ohio State was number one. They were slipping down in FPI, but maintaining that number one spot because everyone was slipping down, except for Penn State, Oregon, Michigan, Oklahoma, Oregon State. Those were just a few teams that, according to FPI, started the season with respect and rose. Again, going back to my earlier analogy of this college football season is balancing on a very thin line. There's a lot more parity this year, at least in my opinion, compared to previous seasons. The only two teams that I think are the exception to that rule right now in terms of sheer dominance, I think, are Oregon and Michigan. And Michigan and Oregon, part of me wants to see them perform in more big games. Oregon will get the chance to do that against Oregon State in the Pac-12 championship game. Michigan will have the chance to do that against Ohio State. And I also want to see how they perform in the playoff if they make it before I crown them as one of the more dominant teams in recent memory, even though I think both of them can earn that. And Ohio State can too. Ohio State in 2014, before their Big Ten championship game, they did not look like the number one team in the country. But in their final three games of the college football season in 2014, they were the best team in the country. And that's what mattered. Michigan right now, according to ESPN Bet, is a five-and-a-half point favorite at home. According to FPI and factoring in home field advantage, Michigan should be about a three-and-a-half point favorite. So a little more than a field goal, but under a touchdown is how much ESPN thinks that Michigan should be favored by. And according to FPI, Michigan is given a 57.5% chance to win. In a poll that I did early this week, asking, do you think Michigan will win by two scores? Do you think they'll win by one score? Do you think Ohio State will win by a score? Or do you think that Ohio State will win by two scores? 
The results of that poll were very fascinating, and I'm going to pull them up. But before we dive into the details there, 42% of you picked Ohio State to win, about 1,175 at the time that I sampled this poll, which was yesterday. I imagine the sheer number of participants has grown. And for Michigan, 58% of you picked the Wolverines to win. About 1,625 of you all chose blue over scarlet. By the way, potential power is something that I've talked about often on this show. It's my power rankings that have been over 50% in picking the spread and around 75% in picking game winners and money line winners. It will be back next week, and I will use it heavily to talk about Michigan and Ohio State and break down their different position advantages, the advanced analytics in which one team is better than the other, so on and so forth. If you want to get more from potential power, in-depth potential power rankings, and also some potential power picks against the spread and money line for games that I won't preview and make predictions for, sign up to my Patreon. That way you can support the channel and also get that bonus content. There is no pressure, and I already appreciate the immense support that you all give me on this channel. 35% of people on a poll that got close to 3,000 views right now at the time of this recording. So even more up-to-date results than what's on the screen. 35% of people picked Michigan to win by two scores or more. The next highest result would surprise you. You'd think that would be Michigan winning by a score. It's not. It's Ohio State winning by a score. 32% of about 3,000 participants. The third most popular result is Michigan winning by a score at 23%, and only down at 10% are people, likely Ohio State fans, or maybe very pessimistic Michigan fans or schadenfreude Michigan rivals like Notre Dame fans or Michigan State fans are picking Ohio State to win by nine or more points. So two or more scores. I find that to be interesting and intriguing. By the way, the results in the polls still pan out to 42% Ohio State and 58% Michigan. So despite an additional few hundred participants, the percentages didn't move an inch which just shows how set people are on this game. Most people's opinions on who's going to win have probably been formed already. Even if one team looks like complete garbage this weekend, and another team looks really great, it probably won't change the prediction on this matchup. And to a certain degree, I can relate to that as well, but I try and be objective. So my thoughts on this game, what my prediction would be right now, could very well change by next week. But I think it's interesting that people are either picking Michigan to dominate Ohio State or they're picking Ohio State to win in a close game. And I I think that was the feeling surrounding the Michigan-Penn State game just a week ago, was either Michigan's going to come into Beaver Stadium and they're going to control this game, likely win by more than a touchdown or cover the spread, or Penn State would win in a very close matchup that came down to the end. And at the end of the day, Michigan won ironically by two scores, although that was because James Franklin was making some very questionable decisions, like he always does in big games. But Michigan won by two scores nonetheless, nine points, 24 to 15, and they really controlled the football game. For Ohio State, the question is, how do you stop Michigan from controlling the football game? Because that's what Michigan has done in the previous two iterations of the game is they've controlled T.O.P. They controlled the late drives. They controlled 
the second half, they outrushed the Buckeyes. And in terms of yards per attempt, they had even the more efficient passing offense than Ohio State. This is something that's nuts. You look at last year's edition of the game, Michigan averaged 9.5 yards per pass attempt. And then in 2022, they averaged 11.1 yards per pass attempt. So correction, they averaged 9.5 yards per pass attempt, Michigan did in 2021, and they averaged 11.1 yards per pass attempt in 2022. Michigan last year, had 109 more rushing yards than Ohio State. And Michigan, in 2021, they had 233 more rushing yards than Ohio State did. Michigan in both games, both games, they outgained Ohio State on the ground. In 2021, and in 2022, they surprisingly didn't control the time of possession, but they controlled the game. It, it felt like they controlled the T.O.P., but Ohio State in the fourth quarter in 21 had to burn up a total of 10 minutes, not even 10 minutes, 11 minutes of the fourth quarter. They had to burn up, again, 11 minutes of the fourth quarter. They had to burn up to score a combined 14 points. Michigan has been able to limit Ohio State's offense to slow drives where they don't get explosive plays, and they're very uncomfortable doing that because Ohio State wants to strike quick, at least traditionally. This season, I think they'd be more comfortable scoring at a slow pace. I think that sort of neuters that advantage that Michigan has had in terms of schematics and matchup. But last year, Ohio State tried to run the football and be more physical, and that necessarily wasn't a success either. So for me, what I'm most fascinated with and what I want to pay attention to is can Ohio State control this game? Can they outrun the Wolverines? Can Ohio State's defense limit Michigan to having a lower yards per play average than Ohio State's offense, because Michigan has been the more explosive team in the game. They've ran fewer plays and gotten more yards and earned more yards than Ohio State has in the past two editions of the game. And that's talking about it's talking about a Michigan team that's been less explosive than Ohio State generally over the past two seasons and has had less offensive firepower. But Michigan having the defense that they have and Ohio State's defense being whether it's extremely vulnerable against the run in 2021 or extremely vulnerable against the pass in 2022, they've just had some poverty position groups on defense relative to their expectations. In reality, they were still average or good position groups, but they were facing off against position groups of Michigan that were near elite or elite and just really matched up well with the Buckeyes. This Michigan team is the best team in college football in terms of efficiency, execution, and dominance. I think they're the best team in the country. They have a near-elite offense, an elite defense, and NFL trench play on both sides of the football that moves mountains. Drake Nugent, Trevor Keegan, Zach Zinner, and whether it's Ladarius Henderson, Carson Barnhart, Miles Hinton at tackle, or Trente Jones— even with some struggles at tackle, Michigan is extremely deep at offensive line. 
Got some backups in Giovanni Alhadi and Raheem Anderson, who I think could start at most Power 5 schools as well, along with all four tackles. Michigan's offensive line is big, they're quick, they're disciplined. Only one, maybe two false starts on the road in Beaver Stadium, which is one of the loudest environments and most intimidating environments in college football. And on the defensive line, Mason Graham, Kenneth Grant, 340 pounds, really quick, fast, high-twitch, intelligent player. Chris Jenkins is a future NFL player. Jalen Harrell, Braden McGregor, Josiah Stewart, Derek Moore at defensive end. Michigan's trench play, on average, looking at O-line and D-line combined, is unmatched. I think at D-line, Michigan's number one in the country. I don't think their O-line's number one in the country. I thought they would be this season, but I think Georgia, Oregon, and Oregon State objectively have better offensive lines than Michigan. But averaging out trench play on both sides of the football, Michigan is still unmatched there. Georgia's D-line is vulnerable against the run, and they don't have the same pass rush that Michigan does. Oregon's defensive line dare I say it might be more efficient than Georgia's, but I still think Michigan has better upside than Oregon at stopping the run. And Oregon State's defensive line is not even as good as Georgia's or Oregon's, so case in point. Michigan's weakness is lack of explosiveness on offense. They typically don't get big plays. That's been a theme this season compared to prior seasons. I don't think it's necessarily a big weakness, but We'll have to see how this offense performs against Ohio State so we can get a larger sample size, and then we can determine whether Michigan's offense is like Georgia's last year, where they didn't get a lot of explosive plays, but they were ruthlessly efficient, so it wasn't a weakness. They were just very consistent to compensate for that, or if this could be something that bites Michigan in the butt. They had three runs of 20 yards or more against Penn State, and they've had some big passing plays and occasionally pop a big run throughout the season, but I want to see more explosiveness from Michigan. And they do have, this is a weakness that I don't think we can debate, unlike the first one. Michigan does have a questionable pass protection unit. Their tackle room has been questionable. They've allowed 12 sacks this season, Michigan's offensive line has. This is compared to 14 sacks in 2021, and that was with four more games, and the game against Georgia... Georgia had like a third of Michigan's total sacks allowed all season long. And Michigan in 2022 allowed 17 sacks. But again, four of those were to back up up Cade McNamara early in the season. And McCarthy was less experienced, so he had less pocket maneuvering. And he took some of those sacks on his own fault. Michigan, through 10 games, has allowed 12 sacks. I wouldn't be surprised if Maryland and Ohio State were able to get some pressure on Michigan And in the playoffs, Michigan will likely receive some pressure as well. Their run blocking is extremely impressive. It's hard for this team to open up holes on the interior. I think that's where they miss Olu Oluwatimi. But in terms of raw power and short yardage, I think Michigan is as good as last year or maybe better. They just don't open up those same big holes to get big plays, and they don't have that same elite pass protection that they did. Michigan's number one in college football in points per play margin allowing, or forcing, rather, 0.490 points per play. They only allow 0.131 opponent points per play, which is also first nationally, and they're fourth in points per play, scoring 0.621 points per play per game. They're fourth there. They're behind, I think, LSU, Oregon, and 
I think Washington in terms of points per play. Some of the better offenses, some of the best elite offenses in the country. In terms of yards per point margin, Ohio State's two, spoiler alert, Michigan is first, and they have about an eight yards per point margin. In yards per point margin, from how I interpret it, is how much yards does your opponent have to go? Like, how hard do they have to fight to score on you? It is so hard to score on this Michigan defense. It's crazy. And part of the reason Penn State was able to score two touchdowns, which part of me found to be repulsive, is because they were extremely conservative. Michigan was treating Aller like he could hit an accurate pass and get an explosive play. Michigan played the most conservative game defensively and offensively that I've seen all season. And being extremely conservative on defense isn't always a good thing. It typically means that you're trying to limit big plays. How do you limit big plays? You don't stack eight people in the box and you don't blitz. You send only four, maybe five men at most forward. You keep most of your players a few yards away from the line of scrimmage. That way you don't allow big passing plays. And as the field shrinks, your defense gets more compact. That's a bend-but-don't-break scheme right there. In terms of yards per play, Michigan averages 6.5 yards per play, which is 12th nationally. They allow 3.3 yards per carry, which is 17th nationally. Again, I think that's like Ohio State's defense, and that's why I rarely criticize these run defenses. Michigan and OSU, I do have some concerns about their run defenses, but that's because box scores, as sometimes as useless as they can be, also have a point to them. It'd be good and encouraging to me as a Michigan fan and to other Ohio State fans to see their teams allow less yards per carry, but Michigan and the Buckeyes typically only use four, maybe five-man fronts, and by fronts I don't mean lining up the line of scrimmage, which that's how it should be used. I mean they only send four or five guys forward to rush the passer or stop the run, and sometimes they send three guys forward. And consequentially, if you only send three or four guys forward in a five-man offensive line that's competent, runs the football, they're going to get a pretty decent gain. Michigan does have a problem defending mobile quarterbacks. I saw this against Hudson Card in Purdue, Drew Aller against Penn State. McCord isn't mobile, though, so I don't think Michigan will have to worry about McCord running except for maybe one or two designed quarterback draws. That will be something to watch in the playoff, though, as Bo Nix... Carson Beck, Jalen Milrow, Jordan Travis. There's a lot of quarterbacks who have mobility. If Michigan's defense was facing J.J. McCarthy, I think he could give them a tough day with his legs and his ability to improvise. Michigan is second in average passer rating allowed, only allowing a 94.97 passer rating, and they're fourth in the country in opponent yards per play on average. So this defense, top 10, in most statistics, they're first in the statistic that matters the most, which is points per allowed per play, and they're first in the two statistics that show a team's dominance, which is points per play margin is most important. Yards per point margin is important too, but not as important, because Iowa, I think Iowa's fourth in yards per point margin, and that's because outside of their one game against Penn State where they got blown out, and a game against Minnesota that was pretty back and forth, they've controlled practically all of their other eight games more consistently than anyone else in the country. For the Ohio State Buckeyes, Ohio State is college football's best pass defense, in my opinion, and 
and they have elite upside. Their strengths are an elite defense, and I don't think they have an elite offense this season, but they have NFL athletes on the outside positions, or skill positions or perimeter positions, whatever you want to call them. Running back, wide receiver, tight end, corner, safety. They have elite players there, whether it is Josh Proctor, whether it is Denzel Burke, whether it is Jermaine Matthews Jr., Jordan Hancock, Sonny Styles, whether it's Travion Henderson, Cade Stover, or Marvin Harrison Jr., Emeka Igbuka, Carnell Tate, and Julian Fleming. They have phenomenal players. They do. And their weakness is an offensive line play that I think is underwhelming. I don't think D-line is necessarily a strength. Same with linebacker. I think defensive tackle individually would be a strength, but it's far from a weakness. Their defensive line, Ohio State's front six in the 4-2-5 is one of the strongest fronts in all of the country. I just don't think it is as strong as the outside perimeter and skill positions. Player health is also a concern and overly conservative game plans. I think Michigan has been at times more aggressive and more calculated in their overall game plans than Ohio State has. Ohio State has been very conservative. And the times where they haven't, often earlier in the season, like against Notre Dame, or against Penn State late in the game, they wanted to take a two-touchdown lead. And I'm thinking to myself, not a two-touchdown lead, they wanted to get a double-digit lead. But they were ahead. If they kicked the field goal, they were going to be up by a full touchdown. They went fourth and goal from about the two-point conversion line. And I'm thinking to myself, your team is the definition of ultra-conservative in terms of game plan. It isn't the best thing in the world, but it is a lot better than some of the other previous game plans I've seen from Ryan Day teams, which overall are good, but sometimes they falter, just like Jim Harbaugh in bowl games in particular. Just be conservative. Take the points. Do what you've done all season long. Maybe defensively add some fire and aggression, but your offense needs to be as conservative as possible, given your talent, which means you play to your strengths, you pass the ball to Marvin Harrison Jr. That sounds like something that would typically be aggressive. It's the most conservative play call Ohio State can make offensively is throwing it to Marvin Harrison Jr. where he's wide open because that's not taking a risk. You know that Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be there. You know he's going to be open. He's all reliable. He's your tradition. How your offense has traditionally functioned for the past two seasons is getting it to him. That's the definition of conservative. Being Taking risks is running Travion Henderson on stretch with tackles that have not functioned well all season. Or trying to run Kyle McCord or running Devin Brown if he's healthy. That's taking a risk. Or pounding the rock or trying an end around on fourth and short against Notre Dame. That's risky. Ohio State and this team, they're they're not best suited to take too many risks, but at the same time, diversifying and taking some risks when they're calculated and not when that's out of frustration, trying to close the game out, rushing things. I think that's great. To go back to strengths, Travion Henderson could be the best running back in the nation, and we don't know it yet because he doesn't have the box statistics to show for it. He didn't play against Penn State, so Henderson hasn't played against an elite defense this whole season. Notre Dame's defense is not elite. They have elite upside, but they're not consistently elite. 
I'm curious to see how he does against Michigan. Michigan will do their best to cover Marvin Harrison Jr. They won't shut him down. They'll limit him, but he'll still find a way, I think, to score a touchdown against Michigan. And that secondary, they're first in the nation in average passer rating allowed, only allowing a 93.09 passer rating. Ohio State's third in points per play margin with 0.342 points per play margin. They're second in yards per point margin with a 13.2 yards per point margin. They're second in opponent points per play, allowing only 0.152 points per play to their opponent per game. They're 17th in points per play offensively, scoring 0.493 points per play. They're 22nd in yards per play, averaging 6.3 there. They allow 3.4 rushing yards per attempt to their opponent, which is 22nd. And they're third in opponent yards per play, allowing 3.9 yards per play. And that comes due to the fact that technically they have a worse run defense than Michigan, but they have a better pass defense, not just in terms of efficiency, but in passing yards allowed per game. And they have faced better passing offenses. So that's why for now, even though Michigan's secondary has looked pretty awesome in recent weeks, I'm going with Ohio State having that better secondary because they're more proven. And just straight out of raw talent and also proof alone, I think Ohio State is the better wide receiver core. And I think on average, if you were to take the outside positions, corner, safety, wide receiver, tight end, and running back, even though I think Michigan is the better running back room, the deeper running back room, and even though I think they have the deeper tight end room and corner with Mikey Sainer still and Will Johnson is comparable, I would lean Ohio State, lean for the outside positions. But for the inside positions, I wouldn't just lean Michigan. I would give Michigan a pretty favorable edge in terms of looking at linebacker, defensive line, offensive line in particular, and then factoring in quarterback where I think Michigan's slightly better there. Statistically, in terms of efficiency and also the eye test, I think it is safe to say that the Michigan Wolverines are the slightly better team, at least from what we can tell right now, than the Ohio State Buckeyes. However, by no circumstances does that mean that Michigan's guaranteed to win. Games are not fought on paper, and even if this matchup was fought on paper, I can tell you something, it'd be a competitive game. It'd be a competitive game that Michigan would win, but again, that's if this game was fought on paper, and it won't be. It will be fought in the trenches. This will likely be a game of attrition. Maybe it could be like World War One instead of World War Two, where it's Michigan and Ohio State trying to blitzkrieg each other, like Erwin Rommel and George S. Patton. And you can choose who is the bad guy, Erwin Rommel in Germany, and who you think is the good guy, America and George S. Patton, if you're an Ohio State or Michigan fan, goes to show also how much they dislike each other that I'm using a World War II analogy. But I think this will be typically what the game is, which is a World War I, Civil War-style war of attrition, where both teams will want to wear the other down. I think that favors Michigan right now, but Ohio State with their defense has certainly brought the margin in terms of matchup advantages that have favored Michigan largely for the past two seasons, they've pretty much made those closer to null and void than not. And I think that this game, matchups make games. These two teams schematically are pretty evenly matched. It wouldn't shock me if the team that's deeper, if the team that's more disciplined, 
And if the team that's just tougher, not necessarily in terms of scheme or controlling clock, or one team is the much better defense, but just in terms of by inches and also by key players like quarterback and depth, I think that depth and I think that trench play will determine this game. It won't be in 2021 where Ohio State just has a a bad run defense that allows Michigan to blow open the game. It won't be last year where Ohio State's secondary is terrible, and that allows Michigan to hang around after getting off to a slow start. This season, it will be about who has better depth and who has better play in the trenches on that given day. Thank you all for watching this video. Remember to like and subscribe if you haven't already. Thanks to Crash2488, Anthony McDowell, and Justin Rogg for being Heisman patrons. Thanks to Spencer Bringhurst, Noah DDLC, and SFS Inverted for being All-American patrons. And thanks to Will Loftus, Gabriel Callender, Roaming Gnome, Matthew Sale, Chris Lane, Austin Christmas, and Zubin Zah for being All-Conference patrons. Have a phenomenal day, guys, and I will see you all around. Bye-bye.